Hello, listeners. Nonstop BS. I'm Cole Lynchide. Um, welcome in. And on today's episode of Nonstop BS, we're going to be talking about Derek Carr's visit to the New York Jets and where his best overall fit will be. Eric Bieniemy becomes Commanders' offensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen each get head coaching jobs for the Cardinals and Colts. And then we'll be giving out the NBA All-Star Weekend Best Bets and the Daytona 500 Best Bets. Hope you enjoy. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same teams, topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone. Whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you Nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Inchide, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What's up, everyone? Welcome into Nonstop BS, where you get nonstop bets and nonstop sports from me, your host, Cole Lynchide. Um, welcome on a Saturday for our first weekend um, preview, basically, ar- around the world of sports. And uh, we'll be bringing you some topics around the NFL. Um, Derek Carr visits the Jets uh, for his first official official visit as a free agent. Uh, Eric Bieniemy becomes head coach of the Commanders. And then we've got some new head coaches um, around the NFL that were officially announced as head coaches. So we'll be giving you that and then we'll bring, and then I will bring you my, give you my NBA all-star weekend best bets at this point. Uh, gave out Tyler hero plus 800 for a half unit, uh, last week on the episode. Um, so I got a couple more of those for the, the all-star weekend. And then we will wrap it up with the Daytona 500 best bets, um, at this point. So where I would definitely, where I definitely want to start is Derek Carr. Um, so when he, when he was still, when Derek was still under contract with the Raiders, um, before he announced that he was going to basically force them uh, to release him, uh, he visited with the Saints on a two-day trip. Um, was really interested in the Saints. Seemed like everything went well, um, and, and then he announced everything. The Raiders then released him. On Tuesday, saved them a lot of cap space, $29.6 million to be exact. And now Derek Carr is making his first visit to the New York Jets. The Carolina Panthers are another team that has expressed interest in Derek Carr. 
Um, and, and I mean, it makes sense. They all, all three of these teams make sense between the Saints, the Jets, and the Panthers. Um, all of them, pretty much last year, you could say there's an argument for at least. They were a quarterback away from being a playoff team. Um, and, and all of them finish, you know, seven wins, um, seven, six wins. There, there's a lot of rumors and opinions, and everybody's talking about where where Derek Carr fits best. I mean, there, there's enough of an argument with what actually is Derek Carr, what level of quarterback is he? Is is he, you know, a top ten quarterback in the NFL? Is he top fifteen? Um, is he someone that can elevate a team around him? Is he someone that can take a team like the Jets with all this young talent, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall coming back from injury, a defense that's loaded with young players, Sauce Gardner. Um, you know, Quinn and Williams, plenty of plenty of guys that um, have a lot of promise for the Jets, and and they showed it last year. I mean, they were seven and three, um, and injuries ravished the team, and, and and they had a tough end of the season, and they and, and and the quarterback obviously was the main factor in the Jets ending to the season. The Panthers, uh, a young loaded roster, had a terrible start to the season, ended up firing their head coach. Um, and pretty much went 500 down the stretch after trading away, you know, some of their best players, Christian McCaffrey, for one. Um, they had some pretty impactful injuries as well, and still kind of were able to keep it afloat. And they were, I mean, they were in the race in the in the NFC South. They were in the playoff race though, with two weeks remaining in the season. So, um, and then the Saints, on the other hand, a team with that is a loaded roster, but again, struggled at the quarterback position. Still have a lot of questions about their coaching um, with Dennis Allen. But, you know, when you look at the talent on the roster, they still have a super talented team, and some would argue that they're a quarterback away. So a lot of people are arguing, where should Derek Carr go? And who should pay for Derek Carr? And who can pay for Derek Carr? All these things are up to, up to question. So I'm going to give you my take on where Derek Carr fits best around the NFL. Um I think personally that the Panthers are the best fit for Derek Carr. And and this is not only for where he will be most successful, what will be best for Derek Carr, but what team is in a position right now to where a quarterback of Derek Carr's level will be able to help them the best uh, to be a, a, you know, a playoff team this year. Derek Carr is someone that when he's protected well, and when he's had good talent around him, which has been very rare, but you think back to early on in his career, 2015, Raiders go 12-4, and make the playoffs, Carr gets hurt right before the playoffs, doesn't get to start in the in his first playoff game, they end up losing to the Houston Texans. Um, but when you look at the... So it's been very rare, but when Derek Carr does have a very good offensive line, good weapons, a defense that is at least competent, and a good coaching staff that backs Derek Carr, that knows how to put him in positions to where he is able to succeed with the tools that he has. A super accurate quarterback, a smart quarterback, not someone that's unbelievably mobile, but and, and not someone that I would say can necessarily elevate a team, not someone that can make the crazy plays that you see the guys obviously like Mahomes and Josh Allen make, but someone that is super competent and is not going to destroy you unless he's under pressure and, and just getting destroyed himself <laughs> the whole game. Um, the Panthers are a really, really good fit to me. One, uh, Carr immediately makes them the favorite in the NFC South. The NFC South is a super weak division. 
Tampa has really the only, been the only team ever since Drew Brees retired uh, the last two years. Tampa's been the only team that's been competent in the division. Um, and a lot of teams still have question marks. We just talked about the Saints. The Buccaneers are going to have to get rid of a lot of the contracts that are on their team right now with the star players that they've had. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons are still rebuilding and still don't know what they're doing at quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of question marks there with what they could do. Some rumors with Lamar Jackson uh, aligning with, with the Falcons, but that's there's still a lot of work to be done there. I mean, I, I you know, getting onto a different topic, but I still mostly... <laughs> if you ask me right now, I think Lamar is going back to Baltimore. I don't think they're going to let him get away. But, you know, that's besides the fact. The NFC South is still a super weak division, maybe the weakest in the NFL. Um, Derek Carr goes there. They're immediately the favorites. The Panthers, the Panthers, um, after making a few moves, will have a decent amount of cap space and will be able to sign Derek Carr to a contract that he's going to be happy with and that they're going to be happy with. Um, and, and they'll still also be able to bring other pieces in to supplement the roster. Uh, the Panthers have four picks in the first three rounds of this year's draft, including the ninth overall pick. Um, and they just got a brand new head coach in Frank Reich. Frank Reich has a fantastic track record of getting the most out of quarterbacks. Um, you think back to Andrew Luck when Frank Reich first showed up in in Indianapolis. Andrew Luck had one of the best seasons of his career uh, the first year that he was healthy with Frank Reich. An aging Philip Rivers in Indianapolis. Jacoby Brissett comes in and, and saves the ship, basically, after Andrew Luck retires and ha- plays some of the best years of his career uh, with a with an offense, honestly, that didn't have much talent on the outside. Um, you think back to Nick Foles, obviously, in the Super Bowl run. Frank Reich, offensive coordinator of the Eagles. Carson Wentz, MVPS season. Uh, look what he's done ever since. Frank Reich has done a lot for off different offenses in the NFL. So when you bring Derek Carr into an offense that has... Um, some weapons, which I'm going to get into next, with a co- with a, a head coach like Frank Reich, um, I, I I see it being a really good fit. The Panthers already have an underrated amount of young talent on the under contract on their roster, including Taylor Matone, uh, and and Akeem Aquanu, their first round draft pick last year. So two very solid tackles on the outside. Uh, Aquanu played fantastic last year as a rookie. Was in. I mean, not that he would ever have won it, but he was in the conversation as an offensive lineman for Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's how great he played. DJ Moore, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL, um, really is just kind of in a DeAndre Hopkins position to where he's never had a quarterback, and yet he's still a super productive player. And then you look over on the defensive side of the ball, and they have Derek Brown, Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu, J.C. Horn, and Jeremy Chin, some of the better young players in the NFL. And nobody talks about them because they're on the Panthers, and the Panthers have struggled. But they have a lot of pieces in key areas to where if they just bring in some more building blocks, this team is not that far away. The NFC is a super weak conference at this point, and Carr instantly becomes an undoubted top-five quarterback in the conference. And, and, and especially, I mean, that's not even counting in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is most likely going to be traded from Green Bay, um, if, if not retired. So when you bring Derek Carr into this team, in this division, in this conference, I, I don't see a way that the Panthers are not favored to make the playoffs. Um, you know, the New York Jets, they're, they're a good fit too. But, I, I, when you put Der- but putting Derek Carr in a conference or in a, in a division with, right now, Kyle Trask, um, Desmond Ritter, and Jameis Winston as the starting quarterbacks, as opposed to Josh Allen... Most likely Tua Tagovailoa and Mac Jones with Bill Belichick. 
Um, I, I just see him, and not to mention the conference in the AFC. Everybody knows how stacked the AFC is as opposed to the NFC with young quarterbacks and super talented rosters. Derek Carr's best interest would be to go to the NFC, and I think the Panthers are the perfect fit in the NFC. Okay, moving on to Eric Bieniemy. Um, Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs for the past five seasons, um, becomes the offensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders after yet again not getting any head coaching offers this year. It's a massive opportunity for Bieniemy. Um, he goes to an offense that has a lot of young talent as well, and very similar to the Panthers. I think they're even a better roster than the Panthers, but similar to the Panthers, um, ju- they've just been a quarterback away. Heineke's played good in spurts for them over the past few seasons, but he's not somebody that can be consistent enough for them to win with. He's already proven that. Um, but Bien- if Bienemy can come in here um, with whatever quarterback they end up going with, um, whether they draft someone, whether they draft someone, whether they stick with Sam Howell, um, you know, Bien- th- this is going to be Bienemy's first shot to really put his stamp on an offense. In Kansas City, a lot of people like to give Bienemy credit, and um, you know who complain the people who complain that Bienemy has not gotten a head coaching opportunity at this point. A lot of people like to give him credit um, for Patrick Mahomes and for what he's done, but the reality is NFL teams do not see. I mean, he hasn't called plays for one, two. An underrated story is that Bienemy was not the offensive coordinator Patrick Mahomes' first year. That was Matt Nagy, who who then became head coach of the Chicago Bears the year later. So Bienemy wasn't even there in that position for the initial outburst of what Mahomes' career has become. If he brings success to an offense in Washington that includes, like I said, these young players, Brian Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, a defense, a decent offensive line, uh, he'll have multiple head coaching positions, I believe, next year. Um, the Commanders the commanders have had a f- great defense. They've struggled with injuries. They've had a great defense, though, over the past two years. And if this offense can elevate to, to the next level with, with these young players, by finding, by finding the right quarterback, whether it's Howell, whether it's a draft pick, whether it's a free agent, and Biennemi being the guy who can um, craft him into turning this offense into what their potential is, Biennemi is going to have head coaching opportunities, and I fully believe that. This is a make-or-break season for Biennemi. He put himself in a position to where he really shows that he wants to be a head coach in the NFL. You don't leave the Kansas City Chiefs in a cushy offensive coordinator position with Andy Reid as your head coach and Mahomes, maybe the greatest quarterback talent I've ever seen. Um, uh, you, you don't leave that cushy position unless you really want to elevate to the level of becoming a head coach. So I think I think it's props for Biennemi for identifying that he needed to move if if he was going to get a realistic opportunity. Um, there's been a lot of rumors he's not the greatest interview. You know what? If he's not the greatest interview, then then put it put put it into put don't use words. Use your actions. Show them that you're good enough that you can go anywhere and you can and and you can elevate whatever environment that you're in. And I, I I think I think it's going to lead to success for the Commanders this year, and I think Eric Bieniemy is going to become a head coach in the NFL at some point. Okay, next, Jonathan Gannon, uh, defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles over the last two seasons under Nick Sirianni. 
becomes the new head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, first instinct, I'm not a fan of the hire. Uh, Gannon comes off very cocky. He has a lot. He's very limited experience as a head coach, or I mean, as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, and he opened with a statement clearly trying to please. Um, that's not always the best tactic to use when you're first trying to. I mean, there's not there's not a lot there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of um, there's <laughs> there's not a lot you can say in your initial press conference. So I. I Give him a little bit of a break for that, but I I feel like a lot of the things that he was saying, you know, talking up Kyler, saying that he's elite, and kind of putting a, a different tone to it, um, I it seemed like he was trying to talk everybody into himself. So it's not the greatest start. The Eagles' defense also one thing that is not being talked about very much. The Eagles' defense was fantastic this last year, but they also were super veteran heavy. They brought in a ton of players when when you talk about C.J. Gardner-Johnson, James Bradbury in the secondary. Um, they bring in Linval Joseph and Dom Kung Su on the defensive line. Uh, Robert Quinn supplemented the defensive line as well um, via trade with the Bears in the middle of the season. Um, you know, they, they, um, they brought in Hassan Reddick uh, in free agency. Um, brought in... Uh, they brought in Kazir White for the San Diego Chargers. A ton of veterans were added to this defense this year, and a lot of money was spent, and a lot of a lot of their resources were used for just this season. So Jonathan Gannon cashes in, and good for him on the year that the Eagles had. Um, but if you look the year prior, when the Eagles weren't so loaded on defense, they still had a lot of really good players on their defense. A lot of the guys who uh, stood out this year, when you talk about Darius Slay, um, Brandon Graham, uh, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, a lot of the staples of this defense this year were still there last year. Eagles ranked 18th in the NFL in yards on defense last year, and they struggled a lot. Um, those are his only two years as defensive coordinator in the NFL. My personal feeling um, with Jonathan Gannon as well is that he's going to have a good culture in the locker room in Arizona from day one. He seems like a guy that can really motivate players. He seems like a fun guy to play play for. He has a lot of energy. Um, but the moment the pressure hits, I feel like the team may be, may be chaotic. Uh, I, I feel like it can easily turn into a Joe Judd situation where he acts like a tough guy and the team doesn't really buy in if they hit any sort of rough stretch um, to begin the season especially. And I feel like that's probably going to happen. I mean, Arizona has a lot of holes. They have a lot of holes. Kyler Murray may not even be starting the season for them at quarterback. So it's going to be very interesting right off the bat to see what happens when they um, when they struggle and and how that how that works out for Jonathan Gannon as head coach for them. Okay, Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator for the Eagles over the last two seasons, was announced um, and introduced as the new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, my first instinct for him, for, for the Colts and their new head coach is that I think it was a pretty good hire. Uh, Shane Steichen lasted through three different coaching staffs for the Chargers over a nine-year tenure with them in multiple different positions, offensive, uh, coordinator, um, quarterbacks coach, um, offensive quality control or quality control coach. He had a bunch of different positions. Um, but he, he lasted through three different coaching staffs 
And that's always a sign of a guy who's doing a good job. I mean, there's not very many coaches that that when a, when a head, new head coach comes in, you see it all over the league. They pretty much clean house mostly. Uh, and and the ones that stick around usually um, will pretty quickly get a promotion because it means they're obviously doing something right. Um, and, and that's been true with Shane Steichen. Um, when Brandon Staley came in as head coach for the Chargers, Steichen ended up moving over to Philly, and he's as their offensive coordinator. He's been there for the last two seasons. Um, he's had a lot of really good offensive teachers throughout his career. He's only 38 years old, um, but that's highlighted by Norv Turner um, in his early days in San Diego. Uh, the Eagles offense, the best thing that I like about what Steichen has done and obviously some of this credit goes to Sirianni as well. But the biggest thing that I have liked watching this Eagles offense over the last uh, couple years is that they have found an identity and they stick to it. Uh, their identity over the last two seasons with Jalen Hurts as quarterback is running the football. And, and, it's a, and it's running the football with Jalen Hurts and around Jalen Hurts. Um, and, and maybe digging even deeper into it, it's their offensive line. Uh, the Eagles have invested a, have invested a ton in their offensive line. Um, they did even in the past. Obviously, a lot of the players on their offensive line are from the past regime, but they really lean into that. This coaching staff really leans into it. The way that they run their offense really leans into uh, using the offensive line for everything they can. I mean, the obvious example is the one yard, the third and ones and fourth and ones that the Eagles were so consistently dominant um, in this year. Um, by, by just running it up the middle with Jalen Hurts. Steichen understands, but Steichen clearly understands the importance of leaning on your offensive line and how important they are to the success of your overall overall offense. Um, so I think he's a very, very smart coach. I think he's someone that can um, possibly turn around and bring in some new players if needed to this Colts offensive line that struggled this year. They have a lot of talent on that line too. And the Eagles offensive line Throughout, I mean, throughout Kelsey's career, throughout uh, Lane Johnson's career, they've had some years where they've struggled. They've had injuries. They've had a couple bad years. But somebody leaning into them and somebody somebody doing exactly what I said, somebody who understands that they're the identity of the team and building through that identity, uh, that's what smart coaches do, and that's why I like the hire of Steichen for the Colts, who are definitely going to be running the ball a lot this year. I predict, with Shane Steichen. Okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be back with NBA All-Star Weekend Best Bets and the Daytona 500 Bets. All right, so starting off here with the NBA All-Star Weekend Best Bets, um, I told you guys last on last episode on, on Wednesday um, that the only contest really in the, throughout the All-Star Weekend that I really like to bet or that I even find to have any sort of... Um, any sort of an edge or anything. A, a lot of this stuff is super unpredictable. Um, but but the only thing that I really like to bet is the three-point contest. So, um, you know, have fun with it. I, I don't think there's very many edges to be found, though, in all-star, any sort of all-star games, whether it's the Pro Bowl, whether it's uh, the NBA all-star game, the MLB. Uh, it's more just for enjoyment. At least that's what I how I always look at it. I'm not, I'm not digging deep into the all-star weekend, but... 
Um, I'm still going to give you guys some bets, though, uh, especially since we're just starting off the podcast, and I, I want to have at, at least have something. So I'll give you the lines, too. Uh, the book that I'm looking at that, I, that I'm typically going to be using when I give you guys odds is one, cert- one certain book, and it's a book. I'm not going to name the name, but it's a book that you can find pretty much anywhere uh, that sports betting is legal in, in the United States. I'm going to be giving you guys mostly odds from from just one straight book, though, just so you guys know going forward. Uh, I do price shop, though, a lot, and you have to price shop, obviously, if you're going to be able to have every sort of edge that you want as a sports better, uh, especially when you're betting into futures markets or competitions like the All-Star Game MVP, let's say, uh, or the three-point contest, even. Odds are totally different at different books, so uh, just just that as a as a word of advice going forward, but... The lines for the All-Star game um, on this book is Team LeBron minus 3, minus 110. Uh, the money line is minus 148. The over the total is 324.5. And, um, and, I mean, it, it has gone over that a, a, a few times, especially over the last few years. Um, but it's just not something I really want to mess with. And the per- unpredictability of what team is going to win um, it, it, not not a game that I like to mess with. Uh, the All Star Game MVP uh, favorite right now is LeBron at plus five fifty. Giannis is plus six fifty. Uh, Embiid's plus six fifty. Damian Lillard and Kyrie are also plus seven fifty um, as as your top five favorites for that. The slam dunk contest. The four participants are Mac McClung at minus one hundred five is the massive favorite. Uh, Kenyon Martin is plus 340, and Jericho Sims and Trey Murphy the third are plus 410 and plus 430. So all these different competitions will be going on. That that competition, the slam dunk contest, is tomorrow at 8:30 cent- central for you guys. I guess it'd be today, Saturday. Uh, the actual All Star game is Sunday uh, at seven o'clock central time, and the um, three point shooting contest is Saturday at 7.30 uh, Central, right before the slam dunk contest. So let's get into the three-point shooting contest. I gave out Tyler Hero at plus 800 uh, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, uh, the Wednesday morning podcast. I, po- I post all these on my Twitter as well. I, I don't know if I posted Tyler Hero, but I know I posted the Daytona 500 bet that I gave out on, on Wednesday. So if you guys ever miss these bets or can't find them or whatever, or if you just want to follow me on Twitter or whatever, uh, I post all my bets that I give out on the show and more on my Twitter account. So follow me at Lynch Ed Cole or also follow the, the podcast at Nonstop BS Pod um, on Twitter. So I'm sitting on a plus 800 for Tyler Hero. His odds did shorten at most books i think you can still get a plus 800 at one book out there right now um yeah you absolutely can i'm looking at it right now but at the book that i'm at right now and the book that i did bet it it they've shortened to uh plus 600 they were all the way down to 550 a couple hours ago but they're moving around obviously as people start to sink money into this market um but some odds also have gotten a lot longer for some guys that I'm super interested in, and one is Julius Randle. Uh, I actually put the bet in right before the podcast. I put both these bets that I'm going to give out. Julius Randle is 12 to one to win the three point contest. So the my favorite way to bet this contest is by taking a couple 
two to three long shots, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. So I have Hero at eight to one. Um, I'm going to grab Randall at twelve to one, and then I'm also going to get Jason Tatum, who's uh, Jason Tatum, whose odds are mispriced at the book that I'm looking at. So if you can find it, I I see a Jason Tatum at eight to one uh, on this book. He's at five fifty on another book that I'm looking at, and I believe he was at six hundred on another book. So if you can find the Jason Tatum eight to one, I also like that. Jason Tatum has been lights out this year shooting th- three pointers. Um, he's averaging taking over nine a game this year, so he's shooting a lot more. Um, and this is the first time that he's taken place uh, or been a participant in this contest. I, I think he's going to have a lot of motivation as well. We talked about that. And Julius Randle also has been red hot as of late. So him at 12 to 1, I like a lot. Um, I understand why the pricing is the way it is to a degree, but I think that there's also a lot more volatility in a market like this uh, and a lot of unknowns going into um, one of these competitions that, you know, the guys take seriously, but at the same time, it's not like it's an actual game. It's not like you're betting on something that, that is super, super competitive. It's, you know, it's it's the all-star break. So just keeping that in mind, I like taking long shots in markets like these. I feel like you do have an edge by taking a 12-to-1 when there's guys that are plus three, 370 and plus 410 on the board. Um, all these guys are fantastic shooters. Uh, it's it's going to be a really fun competition. But yeah, so we're going to be sitting on, if you can find these bets that I'm that I that I placed already, a Tyler Hero 8-1 to one that we placed on Wednesday morning, a Julius Randle 12-1, to one, and a Jason Tatum 8-1. to one. And between those, um, obviously we have some pretty good odds, uh, so I like that a lot. Okay, I'm um, not going to take up too much of your time today. Obviously, it's kind of a funky weekend with really the only major events going on um, are the Daytona 500, and then you got obviously the All-Star break, as we just talked about. You got some hockey games, which I don't... <laughs> I don't know nearly enough about to be giving out uh, bets for uh, in the NHL. You got college basketball, and um, and then obviously you have uh, the Genesis, the golf tournament going on. But not any major. The NBA is on their break. Uh, the NFL season just ended, so not not a ton to wrap up and to give out for the weekend right now. Um, so we're gonna be kind of short. But I'm gonna give you guys my Daytona 500 bets and then we will be done so i gave out christopher bell 28 to 1 on wednesday he's still sitting somewhere between 26 and 30 to 1 right now um he qualified pretty well he qualified sixth so he's going to start sixth in the in the 500 i still expect those odds to shorten now they haven't practiced very much yet they have two practice sessions tomorrow that they're going to do um, and so you're going to definitely want to watch that and watch how these cars run tomorrow. Watch who has issues. If anybody does, uh, the big person that I'm going to be watching tomorrow is Kyle Busch. He ended up wrecking his car and he had to get a, a replacement, uh, for the 500. So he'll start at the back of the pack, but at the 500, um, and, and any of these restrictor plate tracks and races, there's a lot of movement. It's not unheard of and it's not, it, it's super common that people move from the back to the front of the field really, really quickly. And especially a driver as talented as Kyle Busch, maybe the most talented driver in the whole field. So definitely watch how Kyle's new car um, runs tomorrow because his odds shortened quite a bit, or a decent little amount, um, when obviously that happened on on Thursday night in the dual races. 
um, in his dual race, <laughs> that is. Um, one bet that I did take, though, last night that I'm going to give out on the pod now, and I did give it out on Twitter if you follow me, Alex Bowman, 30-1. And this is not just because he qualified on the pole, which I did take it pretty pretty quickly on uh, on Wednesday night after he did qualify on the pole, but also the car is just freaking fast. I mean, I watched him in that. I watched him in the beginning of the duel. He quickly backed off in the duel. He did not want to wreck his car. He didn't want to have any sort of funny business going on. He, he was happy with how the car was running. When somebody is as happy at, <laughs> with how the car is running to where he's in that position to where he's not even basically... Um, trying in that dual race, and he's just trying not to wreck it. That's a good sign. I think 30-1 to 1 for him is a little bit ridiculous. Hendrick cars usually run really well, and all these drivers that drive for Hendrick too now, you know, they have a lot of young drivers, and Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, but they're all pretty experienced at this point, William Byron, and all of them usually do typically, typically, uh, you know, escaping wrecks, escaping the big one. Um, they do pretty well on the restrictor plate tracks, so... Uh, obviously, I mean, Hendrick has fantastic equipment, the best equipment in NASCAR, without a doubt. Um, and, and Alex Bowman's sitting 30 to one when he's had success here before. He's never, I don't, he's never won at Daytona, but he's had success here before. Uh, I think those odds are going to shorten. They've already shortened a bit since Wednesday night. I think they're going to shorten even more before the, before the 500 actually starts. So Alex Bowman, 30 to one, if you can still find it. Um, you know, him anywhere between 25 and 30 to one, I still think is not a bad bet. And I bet he's going to shorten somewhere in, in the low twenties before the race starts on Sunday. And then the other bet that I'm going to give out, so half unit on eight, each him and Christopher Bell. The other bet I'm going to give out is Eric Almirola, a top 10 finish at plus 190 for one unit. Uh, Almirola is a guy who runs really well typically at restrictor play tracks. He's a, he's a really solid driver. He's not somebody who, ever, who has ever been super successful in the Cup Series, but he's very consistent, and he usually runs really well at restrictor play cl- crashes, you know, obviously, uh, excluding when he ends up in a wreck. Um, Almirola had the fourth fastest time in qualifying. He also ended up winning his dual race. Uh, he's a really experienced driver at 41 years old. Um, and Almirola is, I mean, this race would mean, this race means a a massive amount to every single driver, but for him, especially when he was thinking about and was planning on retiring coming into this year and then coming back to a track that he has had some success at before, um, and, and, and somebody who hasn't won a lot in the cup series, this race would mean a ton to him. Uh, he's very consistent. He usually consistently is in, in or around the top 10 in these restrictor plate tracks, whether it's at Daytona or Talladega. Um, I think plus 190 is a bit long for him to finish top 10. Uh, and I like kind of the long shot-ish uh, Almirola to finish top 10. If you want to sprinkle a little bit on him to win as an outright too, I don't mind it. Um, I believe right now on the one book that I have open... His odds, I believe they were a little bit better than 40, if I remember right. You no, know, okay. He's at 25 to 1 right now. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I, like I said, I'd rather bet either either Bell or Bowman at that price. Um, but if you can find, I mean, if you can find Almirola at a book, NASCAR 2, there's not a lot of people betting into it. And so when people place bets into big bets into uh, certain drivers at certain books, odds shift a ton. So if, so, Price shopping for NASCAR is massive 
for for you to get edges and for you to find um you know really big edges and really big price differences between drivers when you're betting on nascar okay so that's going to be it we're gonna put a half unit like i said for the 500 uh just to wrap things up here we're gonna put a half unit on bell at 28 to 1 half unit on alex bowman 30 to 1 and a unit on eric almirola top 10 finish plus 190 for the all-star break again i'm just going to repeat it one more time for you guys tyler hero at plus 800 for a half unit. We bet that on Wednesday morning. And then Julius Randle, 12 to 1 half unit. Jason Tatum, 8 to 1 half unit. Okay, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the second episode of Nonstop BS. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday morning again for a weekend wrap-up, and we'll dive into more NFL. I think I'm going to start doing some free agency next week, um, and we have a lot of possible quarterback movement that's going to be coming up here so i have a few different ideas of what i want to do for like kind of an exercise or an activity of where i think these quarterbacks are going to end up where i think they should end up um and so we may have like some sort of little game or whatever i'll play but i i'm gonna figure something out and we'll probably be talking quarterbacks uh coming up on wednesday in the nfl and where their possible movement is going to be or if there will not be movement um for them so Look forward to that next week. We'll have more bets. The NBA starts back up on Thursday next week. So um, Wednesday morning, again, I'll probably have some NBA bets coming up if the market's open. I'm not exactly sure when they're going to open for for those games on Thursday. But if they do, before the podcast, I'll give them out. Otherwise, you can follow me, like I said, on Twitter uh, to get those picks. Okay. Thank you guys again for listening to Nonstop BS. Please rate, review, subscribe. Um, share us on any of your social media platforms. I would really appreciate it. Um, I, I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast so far. Um, uh, but to get other people to find the podcast, the best way to do that is by you guys doing all that. So I would greatly appreciate if any of you guys would do that. Otherwise, I'll see you back here on Wednesday morning. Uh, have a good weekend and hopefully you guys win all of your bets. felt like we had a really successful episode and you know we're not really about the saris like any of the catch-ups like where i was what i was doing you know what we did it we moved on and